Thank you, Father. <coughs> we thank you for that amazing grace, God. We thank you, Lord, for that amazing grace, Lord. We thank you that you see us through eyes of love. Father, without you, we would be a hopeless case and we would be an empty place if not for grace. Lord, we thank you that on the account of your shed blood that you have grounds and occasion to deliver us, Lord, from all unrighteousness and to and you have delivered us, Lord, from the wrath of wrath to come. Lord, we thank you today that you have delivered us from hopelessness. As Peter the Apostle said that we were once in this world estranged from the commonwealth of Israel, in this world without hope. But Father, we, we are of immense gratitude this day, knowing, Lord, that today we do in fact have hope, and, and it is Jesus Christ who is that hope, who is that anchor, who is that rock of the ages upon whom we build our lives, upon whom we anchor ourselves, goes behind the veil. And we're thankful that, as uh, one great man of God said, that the greatest atom bomb can't blow up the rock of the ages. You're the ancient of days, and you're uh, invincible, and you're uh, undefeatable. You conquered the world, the hell, and the grave, and you rose again on the third day. And we're thankful for that resurrection that because you live, we, we will live also. As, as the scriptures have said, because I live, you will live also. And as one great song said, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And Lord, not only can we face tomorrow, we can face the devil, we can face the world. And you have made us more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that this day we would gain the victory again through every personal battle, through every weapon that is fashioned against us, through self-doubt and through sin and through anything else, Lord, that may come our way. I pray that we would come out as more than conquerors, that we would come out victorious, that we would come out unscathed. I ask that you would get the glory, O Lord. That you would get the glory through our lives. That it would be evident, O oh Father, that, that you still win in battles, Lord. That you, you will go before us and you will fight them, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that we are not alone. You will never leave us nor forsake us. And Father, I ask that you, you would uh, be pleased to make your abode among us. That you would be pleased to dwell among us. Father, I ask for <coughs> your power. I ask for your glory. I ask for... Your anointing, I ask for prophetic utterance. Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that the hearts and the minds of your people would become conformed, O oh Lord, to the image of your Son. Yes, that we would become conformed to the image of your Son, that we would not become conformed to the patterns of this world. O oh Holy Spirit, I pray, speak through me. Manifest your power, manifest your glory. Yes, Lord, I pray that no one would dodge your word, that no one, O oh Lord, would suppress your word, that we would not make ineffective the word of God through our traditions. Father, may it gain reception in our hearts and may it produce a crop, may it produce fruit, Lord. <coughs> I pray, Lord, that our lives would be fruitful. Oh God, I ask of you for 
You bring low the thoughts of men. Yes, Lord. You bring low the thoughts of men that every thought would be taken captive to the obedience of Christ. So, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me, Lord, and be glorified in this meeting. May people see Jesus. I want you to just begin to pray for a little bit. I want your lips to move. I want you to begin to invite the Lord to, to come into our midst, to come into our gathering. Our prayer should be what is said in Revelation, Come, Lord Jesus, come. Lord, right now we just ask that you would come, that you would that you would actualize your presence. <clears throat> oh Lord, may no offensive way be found in our hearts. Oh Lord, we ask that your word says that those who can ascend to the hill of the Lord are they with clean hands and pure hearts. Lord, we ask that by your blood you would purify our hearts. Lord, that we would be desperate for you, that we would be hungry for you, Lord, that we would not make excuses, Father, for why we we, we have uh, no vacancy available for you. I pray, Lord, that we would not evict you from the church, oh God, but that we would we would long for your coming. We would long for your coming in among us, Lord. Holy Spirit, I want you to pray. I want you, again, I want your lips to move. I want your hearts to mean it and to pray it. Father, we ask for you to come. <coughs> come, Lord, and take over this meeting. Take over this gathering. Take it over, O Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. <coughs> 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 Hallelujah. <clears throat> Thank you, uh, Sister Julia, for singing. <clears throat> um, you know, I'm often disheartened by the amount of uh, rhetoric and nonsense that I hear among certain uh, people who, on YouTube who um, want to accuse um people like us Christians like us of of mere emotionalism and uh there was a popular youtuber uh who said something recently about uh Pentecostal churches charismatic churches that um from his point of view are only given to emotionalism and so I I commented on his uh Instagram thing and I I well I didn't get a response back and I'm not saying he was avoiding me but I'm sure because he gets a lot of comments. He might not have seen mine. But I, I asked for him to define for me what emotionalism is. I think it's a word we toss around so much. You know, these people, they're, they're, uh, their church is given to emotionalism. And uh, I, to me, and the reason why I asked for a definition to be given is I typically think of someone that is who lives their Christian life out of their head. They live the Christian life out of the intellect. I'm not saying that the intellect is bad, but the source of your strength doesn't derive from the intellect. It derives from the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God Amen. accompanies our lives with emotions. I'm not saying that on a bad day when you wake up and didn't get enough sleep and maybe haven't you know, had your coffee or whatever, you're not feeling the best in your body. I'm not saying that um, that's the sort of emotions that we, we write our Christian life on. 
but we would be committing a great error if, if for a minute we thought that the Christian life isn't in, it doesn't involve emotions. An emotionalist Christian, I think, is an oxymoron. It's a contradiction. How can you be emotional when the greatest truth of reality has hit your heart, has penetrated your soul, right? Amen. How can one remain emotional? Um, I, I never see anybody on the news who hits the lottery. I, I, I never say, oh, wow, I hit the lottery today. Wow, great. Only $500 million. Yay. Right? I don't, I don't, I don't see them with their glasses and, you know, put their glasses up like Steve Urkel, right? With the, <laughs> with the nerdy voice. Yay! I just won the lottery today. <laughs> and and uh, I know that the way that we express our emotions are going to be slightly different from person to person, but the greatest something greater than the lottery has been introduced to us, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. For what, what would it profit us if we gain the whole world but lose our soul? And the message about the cross of Jesus Christ and His blood shed for the sins of many has come to us and has saved our souls. Right? Amen. It wouldn't, it, nobody here would be delighted. No one here would be encouraged a single bit if you knew you were fated to hell. And I told you, but you won the lottery today. You would not be encouraged a single bit. No amount of money in all of the world can appease a conscience that has been stained by sin. Only the blood of Jesus is enough and, yea, more than enough to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and to give us a hope as the writer of Hebrews says that goes beyond the veil right and so what, what great God and Savior who has been merciful and patient with our former days of rebellion our, our, our lifestyles of sin and, and debauchery and, and whatever else it was that you were committed to and Jesus Christ in mercy saved us. And not only did he save us, but he gave us a purpose. He gave us a reason to live. And some of us have to revisit that reality. Some of us have to revisit the early days when you used to be on fire for God. When you used to burn within your bosom. When you used to burn within your heart. But something has crept in. And it depletes. Your, your zeal, it depletes your fire. Let us, not, let us not have the resume that the Laodicean church had, where Jesus accused them and said, you know, you reproved them and said, you've increased in goods, and you say I have need of nothing. But you don't realize that you're miserable, wretched, poor, blind, and naked. Right? Amen. God forbid that we should ever come to the place to where God blesses you. In fact, answers, gives you every answer to the prayers you've made. And you say, I have need of nothing. 
Because you can come to a place in God where he prospers you to the degree that you feel that you have no material need. You have no emotional need. You have no social need. You have no relational need. Right? It takes a great deal of humility for me to come to the place because of the fact he has blessed me with a stable home, a stable job, a, a stable marriage, and all of these things that I take great delight in. And my life isn't a ruin like it used to be before Jesus Christ. Amen. When I was a, a wretched addict, right? And so it takes a great deal of humility for me to come before the Lord yet again and say, Oh God, I need you. And if there's anything in my mind that would lead me to the false idea that I don't need you, then, oh Lord, may I need to need you. May I want to want you. Right? Open my eyes to the degree that, that eternity's values are pressed upon my conscience and my heart and, and, and no room for unbiblical thinking can take any place in, in this body of mine, in my mind. <coughs> and so, want us to think about that. Do we still burn for Christ? Do we still burn for the Savior? Right? And oh, how so easy it is for, it to us, for us to excuse ourselves. Because after all, you know, I'm busy and I'm, I'm tired and and, um, you know, I got problems stacked after problem. Right? And you begin to compile all of these reasons that helps you in your mind to justify why you are not the way that you used to be. You know, there's a saying that I, I, I've... There was a question that I asked to this one brother one time. And I said, um, is there anything that the old you the old Christian that barely got saved that would rebuke the new and mature you today? Isn't that a, a good question? Right? Is there anything that the old you, when you, first come to, when you had first come to Christ, that looking at the you today would find an area to say, you're not what you used to be? Is there? Sometimes in my life of prayer, I, uh, my time of prayer, and I'm communing with the Lord, and sometimes I, I reminisce and I, I recall those those early years where um, there was just a, a freshness, a sensitivity, um, a meekness that I have that I strive, uh, a, my, uh, a sort of, yeah, just a, I don't know. I would just say a sensitivity that I had that uh, that I continue to strive after and say, Lord, please don't let me ever lose that. Please don't let me lose it, God. Amen. And there's a prayer that I've made that Leonard Ravenhill uh, would pray. And he says, Lord, may nothing die in me that should live and may nothing live in me that should die. Can you pray that? Can we pray that? And can we pray it and mean it? 
Lord, may nothing die in me that should live, and may nothing live in me that should die. <clears throat> you know, it, it's a difficult thing to be a spiritual man or a spiritual woman. Do you know that? It's more difficult to be spiritual than it is to be religious. Because religious, you, you can just clock in. You can just say, I, I've, I've crossed my T's. I, 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 I went to church today. I read my Bible today. I did this, this and that. And, and then get God off your back. But it's a whole other thing to be a man or a woman that is sensitive to the voice of God, to the, sensitive to the Spirit of God, and listen to Him when He tells you to do something. Yeah. You know, um, for let me give you an example, just so you know, I can be transparent about myself. I, I might be watching YouTube and not watching anything bad. Just watching things that allow for me to relax. Maybe to, you know, um, laugh a bit. Right? And, um, and I notice, if, if I'm too long on that, the Lord begins to convict me. And it's not that I'm watching evil stuff. But see, what happens is, if you allow your your guard to come down just for a little bit, and I'm not I'm not trying to create a law to say, hey, you know, you can't watch you know wholesome entertainment or have a few laughs or whatever. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying is sometimes you know we allow things to come, we allow our guard to come down, and 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 we're allow, and then before you know, it, you're just beginning to coast on. You're beginning to just coast into some into um, things that are less Christ orientated, and then you keep practicing that, and then after a while, your life is characterized by a uh, by someone who is only considered a nominal Christian, someone who who may even read their Bible once a day, but the, the majority of your time is consumed by secular things that have no association with God. And, and because you're not doing these complete wicked things, like going out clubbing and, you know, uh, uh, watching porn or doing all these other wicked acts, now we are consoling ourselves and convincing ourselves that it's not that bad. When, when you're not progressing in God, guess what? You're already backsliding. There is no such thing as stagnation in Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? Amen. There is no stagnation in Christ. It's either forward or it is backwards. And so that's why I'm saying it's hard to be a spiritual man or a spiritual woman. A lot of us want to throw up our hands and say, this is too much. I didn't know it was going to cost us all of that. But I'd be a liar to tell you that it was anything different. I can sit here and give you a, a religious foot rub or a little religious back rub and, oh, yeah, man, everything is going to be just fine. You can just go throughout life without any form of sacrifice in your spiritual lives. And 
See, you know, uh, there's this great quote, and it's that we want uh, maximal blessing with minimum investment. But uh, uh, an experience with God that costs nothing is worth nothing and does nothing. And I'm not trying to, you know, beat people over the head. <clears throat> but I, I'm I'm hopefully helping to show you of what it what it costs. It costs something. See, salvation was free when Jesus gave his life's blood for you. He purchased salvation. He purchased deliverance. You gotta maintain deliverance now. Amen. Right? He purchased deliverance, but you got to maintain it. Would we agree with that? No. And see that this is why I'm on. I'm on to some of us here because, you know, we uh, we think that, see, the sort of messages that I give or the time of prayer that we have. You know, there's times where there's great delight, like last Wednesday. Uh, you know, there was just, we were floating on eagle's wings. We were soaring on eagle's wings, right? There's times we have prayer like that. But what about when it's a labor? What about when it's going to tap into everything you got, right? When it's going to tap into everything you got when it comes to the Word of God. Reading the Word. Subjecting yourself to the word. I don't feel like it. I am sick. I am tired. My life, my, my family is in disarray. My, my family is in turmoil. And I got this problem at work, this problem over here, this problem over there. And, and, and so when it comes to all of this, can I still stand my post? Can I still stand near Jesus Christ? Can I still say, Oh Lord, I'm cleaving a hold of you as my rock? Amen. Hallelujah. And that's the whole part. And that's the whole point. Is that you and myself, we don't have enough. We are not enough in ourselves. Right? And so the pressures of life, and this is why, you know, um, I, I don't at all in the slightest mean to be insensitive to the problems of anybody. We all got problems, and some to greater degree, some to a less degree. But any problem to any degree should never be an occasion for you to cleave less to Christ, but rather more to Him. You know, like, uh, uh, who was it? Um, I forgot who was in the scriptures, but it says, To whom shall I go? Oh, Peter, to whom shall I go? You have the words of eternal life. I, I can't go back. Right? I, I've gone too far on this journey with God. The trip backwards will kill me. Oh, hallelujah. Amen, brother. Amen. 
And I, I believe that is literal, my brothers and sisters. For some of you, if you, you know, I, I really feel that prophetic unction on me right now to say this. For some of you, if you go back, it will mean your death. And I know that's heavy. And I don't say that lightly. I, I believe right now, I believe, and I, I believe very strongly that God has me saying this right now. For someone, I don't know if anybody, any of you have thought about going back, but I believe that if you go back, that it will mean your physical death. You know, we, we talk about Book of Acts Church, right? But my, my brothers and sisters, remember in the Book of Acts, Ananias and Sapphira dropped down dead. And I don't fear. I don't mean the fear monger. I'm not a fear monger. I don't. I don't. I believe that at the end of the day, it takes the Holy Ghost convicting your heart, not pulling on strings and trying to use all these tactics to get you to go somewhere. Amen. Um. But praise the Lord by the mercy of God, we're here today. But we've come too far on the journey. I look back in my old life and I know that I, I know that there would there's nothing there's nothing for me. Can I be honest? You know things I've told the Lord. I, I say, God, I never want to go back. And if I can't continue forward for whatever reason, just take me, take my life. If, if there's anything that so impairs me to where I just can't move forward, I don't know, you know, and, and I'm, I don't know to what degree that prayer is accurate, but Lord, I don't want to go back. Amen. 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 It's a, it's a, it's a serious deal. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I believe, um, I forgot who it was that said that. Oh, my brother uh, Colton Kelly. Uh, he says, "I'd rather offend you into heaven than to please you into hell." You know, and you know, while while I don't ever intend on being offensive unnecessarily, I think people who are offensive unnecessarily are very belligerent and they're obnoxious. But if I offend, I will do it necessarily. That means I have no other option because I'm bound by conscience to the Word of God. Man. And I don't want to come off as a religious jerk, but, you know, because I know that sometimes these these warnings can be assertive, but understand that um, there's a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained thereby. If you subject yourself to discipline, you know I was—I forgot who I was yeah. talking to. Um, but there's a lot of kids in my school, a lot of students, and uh, sometimes all I can do is laugh and smile because I'm like, oh boy, if you only knew. Because <laughs> some of them, you know, in middle school, they try to, you know, 
the, the, the problem with middle school students, and hopefully we're not this as Christians, is they're, they want to act immature. They want to act mature and think that they're mature, but they're immature. Whereas elementary school students in third grade, fourth grade, they know they're immature. And they have no desire to put on a front like they're mature. But in middle school, you got kids that are immature that try to act mature. They're like, man, you know, this and this and that. And, uh, and my problem, though, is that their immaturity gets them into trouble. And they, they, they speak on matters that they think they know about, but they don't really know about. Right? They don't know what they don't know. And now I bring that up because um, those kids, they need discipline. And the, the problem is that they're coming from homes that lack discipline. And because they've went without discipline, they think they're invincible. And that's applicable for some of us because some of us, you know, the, the Bible says in Psalms, I think it's Psalm 51, where it says, the Lord says, since I did not rebuke you, you thought, and I was silent, you thought that I was altogether like you. See, when people go without correction, they begin to think that God is just like them and that God is cool with them. Right? When in all reality, it is for love that God would speak forward and say, you know what? Don't be doing that. You know, I, I corrected this kid, you know, and, and uh, it was a student. He's all, man, I ain't no snitch. And uh, for those of you that don't know what a snitch is, it, it's, uh, um, it's someone that, it's like a street term for someone that do, won't tell on someone that's committed a crime or committed something bad. And I, I told him, I said, I said, look at me in my eyes. I said, now tell me again what you said. And he said, uh, I ain't no snitch. I said, no, I don't think you heard me. Look in my eyes and read my eyes. And look at the degree of seriousness that I'm telling you to tell me this. And say it, repeat it again. And then he started to self-doubt. And that's what I wanted to get him to. I said, I see doubt in you now. I said, that's what I want to see. I said, you know why? I said, there's people who've had a lot of pressure on them. That have said the same thing as you, but folded under pressure. I said, look, if you maintain that pride in that front, it will get you to places in life that you would regret that you have got, that you've come to. Right? I said, that sort that statement, if you live by it, will ruin your life. Amen. And then he Amen. and then he started to retract. I said, that's what I want to see. I said I said, what? I said, who do you care about most? He said, my family. I said, why should your family be robbed of your freedom? Because you wanted to maintain this philosophy that I'm not a snitch. So you're going to go down life in prison for someone that did dirt and you're going to do it? You're going to go in for them? I said, pride sounds stupid. And so I try to speak that into their spirits. But nonetheless, um, we as believers, I say that because we need discipline from the Lord 
And does he say that in Hebrews 12? It says, Do not be weary of the Lord's discipline, for he chastises those whom he loves. He rebukes those whom he loves. You know, there's a lot of kids that go around, like here in my apartment complex, they're running around, you know, they might be dirty and all that stuff. I don't correct them, I don't rebuke them. They're not my children. Sometimes I wish, I'm like, man, I wish I could say something like, I feel bad for you. I feel sorry for you. I don't think you have a good mom or a good dad. Right? Amen, somebody? Amen. <clears throat> but receiving that discipline from the Lord is, is so imperative. That, that correction from the Lord. Don't be weary at His reproof. Don't, we, don't be weary because God is telling you you can't do something. Right? Or maybe that you need to start doing something. Amen, brother. Because if you receive that, and you, see, you know, one of the things I told the students too, I said, because sometimes I keep having to have talks with them. I said, look, I know you're probably annoyed at this point that you got to hear my voice again. I said, but if you're annoyed with anything, I said, be annoyed with yourself. Because you're creating these predicaments where you got to hear me again. And guess what? My head is hard. I'm not going to stop. So if you keep doing that, you're going to keep hearing from me. And so the point I'm making, I said, look, you want to know a good way to avoid me? Stop doing what you're not supposed to be doing. Amen. I say, you're not going to win this. I said, my head is harder than yours. So you want to keep playing this game? I can keep coming back at you. But the point that I was, the point that I'm making that is you want the freedom of not having to hear correction all the time. Just do what God told you to do. Amen. And then you start acclimating in that, that maturity and that discipline. You stop. And then you might even come to a point to where like, yo, I'm not even hearing correction. Am I doing something wrong? Am I like off base with God because I'm not hearing a rebuke? I'm not hearing correction from him? No, it's because you're growing in maturity. And now he can entrust you and you don't have to hear from him so much because you already know what to do. Amen? Amen. Like, I don't got my dad calling me up on the phone like, hey, you know, make sure that you... You, you do this today and make sure that uh, you wear these clothes today and all this other stuff, right? Because we grow into maturity. Whereas when you were younger, hey, you know, hey, Jimmy, put on this. Hey, Tommy, you know, tie your shoes correctly. You know, this and this and that. Pay no mind to them boys at school. <laughs> or whatever. You always got to hear from your parents. And then what did y'all say when you were younger? Man, I can't wait until I turn 18. Right? I'm going to get up out of this house. I'm going to do it. And you guys see that it wasn't so easy, right? You got up out of the house. And where are you at? <laughs> or, you know, you learned that uh, your mom and dad were probably right about a lot of the things. They may not have said it right, but 
They were right about a lot of stuff. You know. Anyways, <coughs> let let us uh let us read um let's go to Romans twelve. I let let, let me teach you something real quick. Um, because I know in certain circles they they would they would accuse me and say, oh man, you haven't opened the Bible yet. You're just you know you're not getting to the Word of God. See. The Spirit of God is spontaneous. The Spirit of God can speak even when the Word of God is not opened up. I'm not saying that we should ha uh, maintain that as a, as a way of thinking, hey, well, I don't have to open the Bible now. But I, I say that because you, people have to have the discernment to understand that the Spirit of God speaks, right? And it, it, it may not, fit your little cute framework religious framework of what you think should exactly take place in a church service and exactly how you would like right because some people some people get bent out of shape oh they don't sing enough hymns they don't do this they and you know it's just to me the way i hear stuff like that are the the guys who have pop bellies Drinking their beer on the sideline of a football field and they never practice a day in their life. Oh yeah, I'll throw it that way and you know you don't you're not supposed to take that stuff serious. It's like you would do it this way, right? You let's get that straight. We're talking about you. So <clears throat> I think we have anyways so let us read Romans 12 um, verse 1 therefore are we all there amen amen I'm reading from the uh, NIV, so if you guys want to follow along. <clears throat> Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Okay? Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Okay, what does it say? Therefore, I urge you. So, you know, I've said this before, and it's, I'm, I'm sure I sound like a broken record, but whenever there's a therefore there, you have to ask why it's therefore. It's a transitionary word, right? So, in other words, Paul is saying, in light of everything that I've said from Romans 1, chapter 1, up until Romans chapter 12, in light of everything, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, of course, we don't have time to go into Romans 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, so on and so forth. But if you do go, you'll find that the, the, the message is the message of the gospel. And we know that it's the message of the gospel, even from Romans chapter 1, he says... I am eager to go to you at Rome to preach the gospel unto you. 
For it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. So Paul is writing <clears throat> to the church there at Rome, and he tells us from Romans 1 the problem with mankind. Right? He talks about their gossip, slanders, God-haters, you know, so on and so forth. And he talks about in chapter 2 that the problems with the Gentiles is also the problem for the Jews. And he says, Who are you therefore, O man, uh, you know, that you think you would escape the judgment of God? Just because you've received the law of God, you're not exempt from his wrath. In the Romans 3, you know, in 4, 5, 6... Uh, Romans 3, 4, 5, he talks about justification by faith, that we're not saved by our works. We're not saved by all the good things that we do. We're not even saved because of our ethnicity. Just because we're Jew doesn't mean squat to God. See, God ain't going to save you based on a DNA test. And God's not going to save you by religious affiliation. Just because you've done good things doesn't mean that that is enough to engraft you within the family of God. And no amount of works like Islam says you must do. You know, I got to do this and that and this. And even after I've done all that good and my good deeds outweigh my bad, I, my bad deeds, I'm still not sure if I will make it to heaven. And so the gospel hacks away at those false Beliefs, and it maintains that we are justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Now, that is scripture, I'm quoting verbatim, that we are justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. That means that I don't have to do good to get saved. I get saved, therefore I do good. Amen. Right? Because more than a moral problem, more than I, 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 more than a moral problem, I'm not doing this or I'm not doing that. The biggest problem is that you need a new heart. You need a new heart given to you by the Holy Ghost. That he, he would come in, that the blood of Jesus would wash your heart from all filthiness. And he would put into your heart a desire to obey the laws of God. And so the only thing that saves is your connection with the life source. And that's God himself. But the problem is that our sins cut us off from that life source. And that we need that cross to bridge that gap. We need someone to die in our place. Right? So that we can become united and reconciled back to the Father. And Jesus Christ satisfied those requirements on the cross died for your sins and now the penalty of your sin is dealt with in full. Right? That's why it says in Romans 8, who can lay any charge to, the God, to God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he to condemn? Christ Jesus died and more than that was raised to life. So there cannot be condemnation because Jesus was condemned for you. Jesus was already condemned. Therefore, you are not. He was condemned for your sins. And you live because of his righteousness. Amen. He was righteous. You are not. He was condemned, but you are saved. 
It's called penal substitution. We swap lives. That's what happened. He was pure and innocent. Without sin, committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. But he was condemned as if he was sinful. Here we are, a sinful humanity. We've done everything to provoke the wrath of God. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him should not perish. We deserve to perish, but we will not if we trusted and believed in Christ for our eternal salvation. He says, as the scripture says, he that believes in on me shall not pass unto death, but shall pass unto life. Amen, somebody. Amen. That, that is the greatest news <coughs> that can ever enter into the ears of mankind. But then in Romans 8, he talks about victory in the life of the Spirit. And I won't go through the other chapters of what he's talking about. So in light of all of that, the plan of salvation, he comes up to Romans 12 and says, Therefore, in light of all of that, in light of all of the goodness of God, in light of all of his goodness, I urge you. In other words, I plead with you. I implore you. I'm begging you. And remind you, this is Paul writing on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit through Paul is urging, live this way. In light of all that God the Father God the Son, God the Holy Ghost has done for you. I urge you, I plead with you, do this. And what is it that God wants us to do? He says, brothers and sisters, so we're, we're identified as God's family, as God's children. So as God's children, he says, in view of God's mercy. So, so he's not saying, look, view God's wrath. View that. And in light of his wrath, become so terrified that you do everything right <laughs> and walk on eggshells right no he says in view of God's mercy view the mercy of God keep that in plain view view that put put that on your flat screen TV put that in 4k so you can watch it in great quality right in view of that in, in view of his mercies offer your bodies as a living sacrifice you know why he, he has to say bodies is because if he said spirits you know th there is this ration this uh rationalization that was going on within um i think the early church as well yes the early church that because there was a time when they had to offer incense to caesar and say Caesar is Lord. See, but what they were, but some who were not willing to die said, "Hey, we can just say that with our lips, but but inside our hearts, we don't mean it, right?" And so they would try to internalize that. They would say that. Fundamentally, your commitment with God is an internal thing. 
And that's where a doctrine came into play, Gnosticism, where you, you, your body, it doesn't really matter what your body does because it's already inherently defiled. So whether for good or for bad, it doesn't really matter what you do. What it matters is your heart and your posture towards God from your spirit, right? We, we know that's a lie because your body should follow where your heart is at. Didn't Jesus say where the heart is, the treasures will be also? Yeah. Does, that make, does that make sense? Amen. <clears throat> it's it's kind of like someone that's, you know, um, anyways, I'll, I'll leave it there. But Paul is saying, offer your bodies. But notice, he adds this description. He says, this, this offering that you give unto God, it has to be living. Because now here, here are the, the, the prideful religious people that want to die as martyrs. Like, oh yeah, I'll do, I'll do this. Right, they're just the, uh, you know, what are they? Um, I, I can't think of the term. But uh, that was also a problem in the early church. Do you know in the early church that if they suspected that you died as a martyr because you provoked the enemies of God, they would not give you the honorary of listing your name as a martyr. Because... That came with such a badge of honor in that time because of their context. It was common, more common than it is in some places today. And, and there was almost a sense of pride that was associated. That's why Paul had to address that stuff in Roman, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 13, which says, Even if I give my body to be burned as a martyr, but I have not love, I profit nothing. Amen. Amen. So he says, in light of you of the view of God's mercy, I urge you to offer your bodies a living sacrifice. And so a sacrifice, guess what? You don't get to hold on to it. You know, I'm reminded of Hannah. You know, and I, I really feel impressed by the Lord to say this. Some of you guys have been praying prayers. Oh Lord, give me a son. Oh, Lord, give me a child. Right? That's what Hannah was praying. Be why? Because um, I forgot who... I forgot who the... Um, there was a man of God in the Old Testament, First Samuel, that had two wives. And one of the wives was able to have children, but Hannah wasn't. And so the, the one that was able to have children began mocking Hannah. And then year after year, she desired a son but couldn't because she was barren. And what happened was she came to the place to where she finally vowed in her prayer and said, Lord, if you give me a child, I will devote him to you. I will devote him. I vow before you that he will be yours. And what that meant is that she was only able to wean him. Until he was old enough for her to ship him off into the temple so he can remain there night and day. See, some of you aren't getting your prayers answered because you want to spend it on yourselves. 
You want it for self. And God needs you to get to a place to where your prayer reaches the realm of sacrifice. Amen. See, some of you ask, oh, God, give me a car. But you won't do anything. You ain't trying to drive anywhere for the Lord. Oh, God, give me a job. Why? So you can buy more makeup and do nothing for the Lord? You give nothing to, to uh, uh, missions or give nothing to your pastor? Right? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> y'all don't like that. And when I say y'all, I'm mean, talking about the church. James says you pray, he says you have not because you ask not, but when you, and you still don't receive because when you ask, you ask with selfish motives. You know, I know that we're all on Zoom, but if we're in person, I'm behind the pulpit, like around with the, I'm, this is, at this point, I, I would say it's kind of quiet in here. It's around this time where it's, it's quiet in here. <laughs> sacrifice remember though in view of God's mercy so we're not trying to sacrifice to obtain the mercy of God see some of you need to get that thinking out of your head you're not sacrificing no more. okay let me get God off my back man God please don't strike me down I just need your mercy oh God so here's uh, all everything no God sent his son as a living, as, not as a living sacrifice, as an actual sacrifice. As a sacrifice unto death. He spilt his blood. Right? So that you may live for him. <coughs> you ever met those people who say, oh Jesus, I'll die for you. If someone put a gun in my head, oh Jesus, I'll die for you. You won't live for him though. You won't even read your Bible. You don't even pray. You don't even come to prayer faithfully. But I'll die for you, Jesus. <laughs> uh, right? You ever heard that? Those people before? But but not you guys, because you're too spiritual for that. It's also the other church. It's the other them. <laughs> it's it's those deadbeats down the street. <laughs> Listening to too much Joe Osteen. <laughs> but no, seriously. <coughs> um <clears throat> in all seriousness, um the point is that, yo, Jesus wants you to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Not in order to obtain the mercy of God, but because God has been so merciful to you. Amen? Not that, Like John says, not that we loved God. We didn't love Him. He says, but He first loved us. He first loved us. Right? And that is the grounds upon which we, we base our lives as Christians. He first loved me. He first loved me. And He still loves me. And He will continue to love me. Amen. Hallelujah.
Amen. And so, understand that God don't need our sacrifices. He don't need them. Right? But it's a way to display to the world that your treasure is in Christ and not in this world. Amen. How will the world know? How will the world know? If you are a Christian indeed. But you treasure everything else just like them. Except the more overt evil things like drugs and alcohol. Maybe there might be some very clean people that don't know Jesus. When I say clean, I mean by human standards. Like, man, you, you're a decent person. What distinguishes you from them? What should distinguish you is that your treasure is Christ and it is displayed and demonstrated by your willingness to be able to give stuff up. <clears throat> right? Yeah. I remember some um I remember uh, some years back uh when I was working at a, a store uh I was a cashier <clears throat> and uh, I worked with, you know, a number of, of females, and um, and they were talking about, to my surprise, they were talking about sex. And um, and one of them asked me, uh, basically, you know, are, are you? I don't know why they asked me. I they really don't. This it just shows where the world is today, but. They're asking me like, oh, do you have sex or blah, 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 or something. Are you active? Are you active or whatever? And I wasn't married at the time. So I said, no. They're like, what? They were, they were shocked. They were legitimately shocked. And I said, no. Um, and one of them asked me, don't you get frustrated? I said, no. I said, and they're like, how? I said, well, if you, since you asked is because I'm a Christian I'm a, I, I love Christ and my relationship with him is what satisfies me. And that, that blew this individual away. And check this out. Years later, that person came to Jesus. Amen. But I also got to witness the gospel to her. Coming from someone who wasn't living a hypocritical life. And they're still serving Christ today. And so, <clears throat> you know you can undo the message by the way you, you're living? You can completely undo it. Sadly, you can. May we not be like that. I get it. That we're in process. We're not all perfect. But, hey... Or even in the church. How many times have, have someone maybe in the church has given you a cold shoulder? Right? And they weren't willing to help you out. But let me say this on the side. Let me say this on the side. Because I can also, I can also hear the other voices of people within the church that say, yeah, I'm willing to help but this person doesn't take responsibility for their lives. In which case, 
People from the church have every reason and right to reject helping you. Amen. Amen. I can show you in the scriptures where Paul says, he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. But then he says, let each man carry his own load. You would think it's a contradiction until you looked in the Greek, in the Greek where he says, let each man bear one another's burdens. That means a burden that the individual cannot possibly carry by themselves. But when it comes to your daily load of responsibilities, you deal with it. You deal with it. You work that out. Amen. The Christian Church N81 is not a 1-800 hotline or a 1-800 help me out whenever I need help. No, I get it. There's real needs. We need to help that out. But there are there are sometimes people have no intention on taking responsibility for their own lives and only want someone else. And see, the problem with that is I want the independence of an adult but I don't want the responsibility of it. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Slap your neighbor and tell your neighbor. <laughs> Touch three people. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Amen. That's why, that's why, and I'll say this, I have compassion for homeless people. I used to work with homeless people, so I know. Um, there are many people that they just want to be free loaders. I'm sorry. You're not going to do that. You're a manipulator. You ain't going to freeload. If you need real help, I can direct you. If you need real help, we can we can help you. We can direct you. Amen. You know, I like those homeless people that are at least honest. They got the sign that says, uh, "Don't want to work, just want some drugs. I want a I want a beer." At least you're honest, dude. <laughs> Amen. I appreciate honesty. Let's just be real here. Don't manipulate me. And I think. And surprisingly, it actually works to their favor. A lot of people actually end up giving to people like that. I'm not saying you should, but I'm just saying what I see around here. Because people appreciate honesty. They say, you know what? I don't agree with what he's doing, but I, I can respect that guy. You know why? Because people are always being lied to all the time. And so for the first person that's telling the truth, like, yo, hey, I like you. <clears throat> so, anyways, <clears throat> he says, uh, we'll be coming to a close shortly. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So, this living sacrifice has to be pleasing to God. So, that means you can't just sacrifice however. You know, I, I, I think uh, some time back someone told me something. Oh, what, what? <laughs> One of my homeboys who came out of prison wanted to tithe to me drug money. I was like, forget that, man. You, <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> I was like, I'm good. You can keep that. 
And the reason why I say that, because in his mind, he's like, this is a sacrifice. Right? But no, you, you have to sacrifice the way the Lord tells you to sacrifice. <clears throat> you can't say, I'm going to lie on my tax return and so I can give to an orphanage. Yeah, it was a sacrifice, right? But you, but hey, you have to do things right. You have to be honest. You have to be truthful. The, the, the living sacrifices that we're offered unto the Lord, they have to be holy and they have to be pleasing unto God. Right? You know, in the, um, the, um, historically, there, there was a, um, there was a pig offered on the altar in the old temple. It was a sacrifice, but it's not what the Lord desired. Amen? <clears throat> Let me say this. Amen. And I really feel prompted by the Lord to say this too. Some of you want to be able to sacrifice to compensate for your disobedience. I'm disobedient in this area, but what I want to do is I'll compensate for my disobedience by offering more sacrifices over here in this area. You know, Lord, I know I'm fornicating, but I'll make it up. I'll, I'll go to 20 houses, knock on the door, and give them a track about the gospel. That ain't going to work. Amen. Amen. So, obedience is better than sacrifice. Right? But then there's also the crowd that needs to be corrected over here who only says, you know, obedience. They want to do the bare minimum. Let me just be obedient. And I won't ever go beyond and sacrifice. No. Sacrifice is biblical. And you know what sacrifices that are made do serve as a pleasing, sweet-smelling aroma to God. You want your life to be a sweet aroma to the Lord? Sweet fragrance? Sacrifice. Amen. <clears throat> you know, I, I loved when I used to have prayer meetings here um, my house because we, we would pray you know sometimes from 6.30 to like 1 in the morning and, and the reason why I, say, I don't say that to gloat but I say that because there are realms in prayer that you have to reach in order for you to reach sacrifice right and, and sometimes See, what we want, we just want to we just want bare minimum Christianity. We just want to be able to say I prayed, but we, we don't want to be able to say I prayed sacrificially. And once again, it's not to earn the favor of God, but we should be a different breed of people that are characterized by sacrifice, that are characterized. We're offering our bodies as a living, holy sacrifice unto the Lord. Amen. And I like what Lynn Ravenhill said. He said, five minutes into eternity, we all wish we would have had prayed more, uh, grieved more, sweat more, labored more. 
You know, Paul says in Colossians that he was he was filling up that which was lacking in the sufferings of Christ. What he was not saying is that his sufferings added to the atoning work of Jesus, but rather because Jesus is not here any longer, there is still a lack as far as sacrifice is concerned because the future generations don't get to see extensions of that Jesus. Jesus is in heaven. But that world, the world today need to see extensions of that sacrifice by your sacrificial living. Does that make sense? Amen. How are you preaching about a sacrificial Savior to a world that sees no sacrifice on your behalf? On my behalf. Amen? Let, let, let me share this really amazing testimony. And, and please, the reason why I share these testimonies so I can give flesh and blood to some of these concepts is never to toot my own horn. But I, I do praise the Lord because um, some years back, there was a homeless, there was a, there were some homeless people. I was street preaching. And I was a bit discouraged because there weren't, there weren't many people. There was only a, a couple, right? Now, when I say only a couple, um, it's more than only because that's a lot. Amen? Because the life of a soul is costly. Amen. <clears throat> but there, there was a couple and um, they were homeless. And uh, they started walking up to me. And in my mind, you know, I, I say this with regret. I thought they're coming up wanting money. Right? And they came up to me and they said, uh, um, can you pray for us? And I was surprised. And they had tears in their eyes. They were listening to me preach the whole time. I was like, wow. And they didn't know the Lord. And so anyways, <clears throat> they didn't ask for money. That's all they asked for is prayer. And because they did that, I did end up giving them money. I I think I I think I went to, I went to my house. I said, "Hey guys, wait here. I'll be back." Because I want I wanted it to be. I wanted to demonstrate my my love for them by more than prayer, by also giving. I I think I gave them like four hundred dollars or something like that, and they were shocked. They're like, "What is this for?" I said, "Because I believe the Lord wants me to give this to you." But I say that because today they're in church have been serving God faithfully for years. Amen. They're baptized, they're married, and they're a part of a, of a local church. And God happened to use that prayer, the street preaching, and the alms, the almsgiving, that was influential to lead them to Christ. And I say that because... Um, that brother said, man, Greg, I, I appreciate you so much, you know, and again, it's not to toot a horn, but, you know, I point to Christ ultimately because he is the reason why we even do the things that we do. He is. <clears throat> oh yeah, they got, they, because they were sleeping in a car and I think might've been real cold outside too at the time. Um, but anyways, yeah, so, uh, sacrificial living and so 
Let, let's continue a little further. This is your true and proper worship. Or some translation says your reasonable act of worship. So God asking you to give your life as a living sacrifice is reasonable. It's not unreasonable what God is asking you and I to do. Amen? Amen. But sadly, we got a lot of people in the church that think that it's unreasonable. Like, psst, what do you mean to tell me? Like, I mean, like, I'm tired. What? How do you expect me to pray? You got to understand, man, I'm busy. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Or, or maybe not so much. And I say this coming from myself. I say this coming from myself. I don't always want to pray. I don't always want to get up and do what I'm supposed to do. Sometimes it's tough. You're just you're you're just praying through. But my brothers and sisters, do do we at the end of the day really have an option? Do we have an option? As I've said earlier, what what is there to go back to? Go back to some flesh? Or go back to having sex? Porn? What? Drugs? What? Money? You know, sometimes I, 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 in passing, I hear what these people are rapping about or singing about in the, you know, because I go to stores and stuff like that. I'm like, that's shallow. Flaunting money? What? So what? It's a shallow life. And they need to be sobered a little bit with, with some Ecclesiastes. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. What does man ultimately gain from all the striving that he strives for under the sun? Amen. At the end of the day, if you're not living for Christ, what profit are you obtaining? You're profiting nothing. All of it is ultimately meaningless. You know, that there's this uh, old uh, poem. It says, A hundred years from now, um, it will not make much difference, friend. A hundred years from now, whether you eat beans and cake or ribs and steak, a hundred years from now, for the, ra- the, gra- the grave will claim all your riches and fame and the things for which you strive. And the only, and it says something about um, the only thing you can keep, uh, you won't be able to keep all that you uh, acquire here on earth. You only take to the grave um, the things that are of eternal worth. And I kind of butchered it a little bit, but the point is this. When the grave claims you, you can't take anything with you. Only the things that are of eternal worth. Amen. <clears throat> but look... Um, do not, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he's giving us an imperative statement here. He says, do not be conformed. 
So that's what the world wants to do. It wants to press you into its mold. Right? It wants you to be cool with getting drunk. It wants you to be cool with partying. It wants you to be cool with dressing like the world. Right? Let me say this to you sisters. I, you know, hopefully none of us do it here. But what? To reveal your breast. Let me wear a little skimpy, you know, thing so other men can uh, look at my breast. Or let me wear this real tight clothing so I, I can, so other men can see my curves. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's not how a daughter of Sarah would dress. That's not how a daughter of God would dress. Right? And what, what about us men? Oh, you know, and we want to become technical lawyers. Is it sinful? You know, it's, I'm not sinning, right, by wearing this. But no, but you, you know you want, you, you know that uh, it, it's causing other women to look at you a certain way. And, and you want that attention. Amen? Amen. You know, even, even with this flexing stuff. You know, someone, someone would say, oh, you're a legalist. No, I just, I just don't see Jesus flexing. I don't, I don't think he's going to be doing that. I don't see Paul writing, I, I boast only in the cross of my Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, and place no confidence in the flesh. And then the next minute, he's contradicting that with showing off his biceps. Now, I'm not saying it's bad to work out. I'm not saying that. I think we should all aspire to want to be in shape. But to, especially when, you know, displaying to females, that's not what we should be doing. Maybe around brothers, you know, pumping each other up, working out, not being proud, but, you know, having a good drive and, you know, hey, man, you're improving right there. I, I see a little gain. You know, I, I think there's some appropriation. Uh, it's appropriate. But when it comes to the opposite sex, and it's going to cause people to stumble. We shouldn't be doing that. So that, that's what the world does, right? Because their identity is within this, this container. That's what their identity is in. Their identity is not in the spirit man in Christ. Their identity is in their looks and everything that they can do and, and all of that. Being the strongest, being the wisest, being all, being all these things. No, you know what? God, He's the strongest. God, He's the wisest. God, He's the most knowledgeable. Amen. The, the life of a Christian is to point men to the fame of Jesus Christ, not our fame. Amen. 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 It's an unsatisfying thing. Why do you think people in Hollywood, they got, what, 5 million or 10 million followers on Instagram and they're still not satisfied? And I, for the life of me, I don't understand why people fall headlong into people like that. All I see are narcissistic people that are saying, worship me. God forbid that I should ever worship another man or a woman. Amen. Worship you? What are you? You're not worthy of my worship. You're not even worthy of my respect. 
the, the, the narcissism that is so uh, common among these Hollywood actors and actresses, and we want to uh, model after them, we want to emulate them, they're trash models. So what if they got a, 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 a an attractive figure, an attractive character, uh, uh, outside when inside they're dead men you know let me say this some of you that you know i don't know but i hope none of us follow kim kardashian why would you why would you follow jezebel You know, it's a, it's an absolute tragedy, man. You know, you know, it, it, it you know, you'd be surprised and shocked at at the amount of popular Christians that are the main voices in mainstream Christianity who are following such disgusting people, men and women alike, following half-naked women. What is that? A amen, somebody. Amen. Oh, God forbid. Following half-naked men, posing on beaches with their abs and... It's disgusting. No, we need to be different. We need to be different. So don't be pressed into the and then so the, the the lawyer mindset comes. What 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 exactly is wrong? Oh, then they come with their stupid intellectual. Oh, but it's the body of God and it's the temple. You know they start using these stupid arguments. I'm just decorating the temple. No, you're not. That's not the. No, first of all, the world. The world, they're not the temple of God. Let's get that straight. Secondly, the way you decorate the temple is after the pattern God has given you in Scripture, not your patterns. No. You know, people, you know, these uh, shallow Christian influencers that, you know, they build, they build themselves up, you know, their bodies. And they say, I'm a bodybuilder, right? I'm building up the body of Christ. No, you're not. You're building up your ego. Amen. Amen. And let's let's and let me let me also say let's not forget the Christian influencers at, that that are out there that are building up their egos, but not with bodily attraction, but with spiritual attractions. See, Amen. <laughs> there's no difference. They're just using ministry and gifting as a way for people to follow after them. Amen. And it's just more deceptive, and we're we're acceptant of it because it it's more spiritual, right? Y'all ain't Amen. hearing me on this, but I know what I'm saying. It's true. Oh, but he's such a humble man of God. Why is he always? Why is he always? Uh, 
you know, do, doing so many things that are questionable then that like a narcissist would do. You have to think about those things. A a amen. So don't, don't fall into that trap. See, a lot of people there. I said this on my Instagram late uh, some time ago. I said, you'd be surprised at the amount of people that have a lot of influence that didn't wait on God. They exalted themselves. Let me ask you this, brothers and sisters. Would you be content if the Lord placed you in hiding from now until eternity? Or would that affect you? Would you become angry at God? Would you become displeased at the Lord? <clears throat> Is it really about Jesus being seen? Is it really about the fame of the Lord? You know, that, that's why I love about the Lord. You know, now today we have so many people that are saying, hey, hit this, you know, and, and they're so adamant about it. They'll find the, the latest algorithmic hacks and tactics to manipulate your psyche so that you will like and follow, right? But look at Jesus. He told certain people, he says, tell no man this. And what did they do? They went to go tell it anyways. They spread his fame abroad. So it's about people seeing Christ. So, but nonetheless, going back to this, don't be, uh, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't, don't be pressed into its mold. The world wants you to look like the world. And that's, that's the devil's priority. That is his objective every day you wake up. He, he's trying to he's trying to find inroads and entry points so that he can make you look more like him so that he can make you look more like the world but the Bible says that God is jealous over you with a godly jealousy amen he don't want you looking like Kim Kardashian he don't want you looking like the trash on in Hollywood he don't want you um, being these money hungry people on Wall Street. Amen. He wants you to look like Jesus Christ. That is why Jesus placed the Holy Ghost within you is to conform you, to keep motivating you after the law of God so that you will pant after his ways. Amen, somebody. That is the highest aim. See, the, the God is after him getting glory. Some of you say, I've always been this way. So what? It doesn't matter. There's things about me and in the way of my upbringing and my raising that is not pleasing to Christ. Christ, the Bible says, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and I will be a father unto you. Amen. How many of people in the world right now who don't know about Jesus who are dying for a father and you are taking for granted for what they don't have? You have a heavenly father who loves you, who corrects you, who teaches you, who provides for you, who's patient with you, who is perfect and altogether lovely. Right? Amen. Amen. 
But don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. This world that hates you. This world that will persecute you in a heartbeat. This world that doesn't care one ounce about your family. And will rip you to shreds and spit you out. Like James said, isn't it not the rich of this world that blaspheme the name of our God? Right? Some some of the most uh, humble people are those that don't really have anything. But he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so that Greek word, the English word transform in the Greek is metamorphosis. I mean, we're literally going through an entire change, a metamorphosis. By what? By the renewing of your mind. Your mind has to become renewed. Um, and then he says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So what needs to happen is your mind needs to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. See, this is what Paul talks about. No man knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God within him. Uh, you know, no man knows the thoughts of man except the Spirit of the man. He says, no man knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So God placed His Holy Spirit in you to change your mindset. Amen. So that your mind can become the mind of Christ. So now what you have to do is to yield to the Spirit. Because the Spirit will begin to educate you in the things of God, in the mind of God, in the will of God. But when you choose the old man, and see this is what happens is every day the devils give you advertisements. The devil is selling you certain philosophies, selling you certain doctrines that even appear to be biblical in some cases. It appears to be. So that you can bite that bait and then that little leaven leavens the whole lump and contaminates you. Amen. That's what he's after is the contamination of your mind to set up strongholds in your mind, to set up footholds so that you can start thinking more like the world and less like Christ. Amen. <clears throat> and so let, let us um, let us just read one passage and we'll close. It's Ephesians 4, verse 17. And so, you know what that means is, you got to get into the Word of God. How, how will you know the mind of Christ if you don't read His Word? And if you, you are uncorrected by His Word? You have to spend time in the Word. You know, I remember one man of God says, I don't go through the Bible, the Bible goes through me. Amen. And, and so that's what it says in, uh, what is it, Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. That all scripture is given by inspiration of God is useful for teaching, correction, reproof, and training in righteousness. So the man of God may be thoroughly equipped or entirely furnished for every good work. So you can't do the good works that are talked about in Romans 12 to test and please that which is good, the perfect will of God. If you are not first furnished by the word of God. 
right? But, you know, I'm not looking for a raise of hands, but how many of you, again, don't raise your hand or say me, but how many of you ne neglect the reading of the word? That mirror, that, that word is a mirror. It shows you who you are and it allows for you to adjust certain things in your appearance so that you don't look like the world. But if you're never in that mirror, how do, none of you are going to go to work without first looking in the mirror, right? Yeah. Especially uh, those of you that are so self-conscious. Oh, no, I have to have to. <laughs> you know, when I go to work, I, I, I have like messed up hair. And I just get to put gel and just. <laughs> I like being a man. It's so easy to just go to work. Right. I don't have to do all that and, you know, the hair. And sometimes even just this little bit, I'm like, I don't even want to do, I, you know, it's easy just to have like real, real low fade and don't even have to deal with it. Amen. But anyways, that takes time to maintenance your appearance. But you have to first look into this mirror. The mirror, the perfect law of liberty. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> And allow this to convict you. And not just keep reading the passages you like reading in the Psalms. Some people act like the Bible is just made up of Proverbs and Psalms. <laughs> turn to the first chronicle. Uh, turn to the first chronicle. That, that, that's a book. We're, we're reading the Bible, right? That's a book in the Bible. Or you tell them to turn to Mark 17 and they're all flipping through. Because there isn't a 17th chapter of Mark. Yeah. I, I did that one time. I was like, turn to your Bibles in the book of uh, Mark 17. And everybody's flipping through their Bibles. I was like, shame on you. <laughs> I didn't say shame on you. But the point though is this. We need to, we need to know our Bibles. We need to know our Bibles. Amen and and um. <clears throat> but the verse is uh, uh Ephesians chapter four. Um. Verse seventeen through twenty three. So I tell you this, and will be this will be the last passage we read. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. So you know why the Gentiles are living the way they're living. Is the futility of their thinking. They don't have the spirit of God living within them. So they are thinking like the world thinks. They're not renewed by their mind. They are darkened in their understanding. And separated from the life of God. So you're, you become darkened in your understanding. When you're separated from God. See it's not that. The world is darkened in their thinking. That made them separate from God. It's that they were separate from God and became darkened in their understanding. And they're only increasing in the, their dark understanding. And, and this is what Romans 1 says, Since they did not see fit to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them up to a depraved mind. To do what not to be done. Men committing shameful acts with men. Becoming inflamed with lust with other men. And women being inflamed with lust for other women. Right? That's what it says in Romans. 
They didn't want, it says, because they were not thankful, neither considered it fit to retain God in their knowledge. In other words, I want a godless way of thinking. I don't want God in my mind. So, by God. So God gives them up to a depraved mind. But, this is what Paul's saying, don't live like them. Do not live like them. <clears throat> he says, because, he says, uh, it says, they are darkened understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So they, they're, they're ignorant of the knowledge of God because they've hardened their hearts so they become blind to the reality of God. Right? And it says this, look, having lost all sensitivity... They have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. So you, my brothers, you, my sisters, you have not learned Christ this way. This is not the way that Christ has taught you to live like that. You are not darkened in your understanding. You are full of the knowledge of God. You know who Christ is. You know what He wants you to do. Now what you need to do is begin implementing that in your life and begin practicing it and growing in the knowledge of God. Peter tells us that we can grow in our knowledge of God. Amen? It says, um, it says verse 21, uh, wait, verse 22, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. That's that renewing that Romans talked about in chapter 12. Renewing of the mind. Right? And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Right? Paul talked about that holy sacrificial living. Right? To become conformed to the image of Christ. We need to be like God. But it begins with a renewed mind. Right? Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you. Amen? Those who live in the Spirit have their mind set on that which pleases the Spirit. But those who are in the flesh think about those things which please the flesh. To please the flesh is destruction and death. But to please the Spirit is life and peace. Amen. Amen. So you see how important it is for us to renew our mind? For us to live in the mindset of Christ and not the mindset of the world? Amen. Amen, somebody. So, in closing, this is what I would say is... You have the Holy Spirit in you. And he, he, he seeks to teach you. Think this way. Do it this way. Don't do it that way. And the more you obey Him, the more you program your mind. Right? It becomes a mindset. See, some of you have mindsets that need to be disrupted. They're strongholds. They need to be disrupted by the Word of God. And so what, what we need to do is open up our hearts 
Unlike the Gentiles who harden their hearts, we need to open up our hearts and say, God, I'm willing to be corrected by you. Teach me, O Lord, how to live. Write your law in my mind and my heart, that I may not go astray. That we be like David that says, I pant after your laws. How can a man, uh, uh, a young man stay pure to live according to thy word? Amen. So do we want pure hands and clean hearts and a single mind? Then we need to put off the old man and to embrace the new life that God has given us and say, Lord Jesus, this is another day I'm surrendering. I'm getting into your word. God, teach me and I will obey. Amen. Amen. So in, uh, with that said, 